How can we have hope even when our circumstances seem hopeless? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me as always is Brian Dembozik, our managing editor. So, Brian, today we are looking at... Um, dem a, bones, dem bones, dem dry bones, dem bones, dem... That's right. That's right. Do you know that song? Because you didn't grow up in the church, so... That's true. That's you know true. that one? I don't. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it was a kid's song that we used to sing, dem bones, dem bones, dem dry bones, dem... I hear the word of the Lord or something like yeah. that. I can't remember. So should we should we just make that your your new nickname to make it easier for people? Some people have yeah. Some people just, have gone. Just that. call you Dem Bones. Yeah. Some people have gone that direction. Nice. Do you think we can get you a new work email that has that? I think we could. Dem Bones at gospelproject.com or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't try emailing. Don't, it. Yeah, it I, won't work. Well, it yeah. won't work. Not yet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice if it did. Lonnie, you're giving up my name. That's for sure. That's right. That's right. Um, but we are looking. We are looking at Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven. Um, thank you for setting us up with that. So that's what I'm here for. Uh, so well, um, this is of course the um, well one of the probably the only really well-known passage in Ezekiel by many people. It's true. Um, because Ezekiel is a weird book. It is. It's really weird. It's hard to understand. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's okay. So this is this is um, in the midst of its its own kind of bizarreness. This passage is one of the m- more easily understood ones, which is crazy to say when we're talking about an army of bones that come back to life. Right, exactly. That this is the most normal part of the book. Yes, that's that's pretty much the most normal part of the book. Um, but that's how good our God is, right there. Absolutely, absolutely. So so let's uh, before we get into that chapter though, let's. Let's uh, set this up. Where where does this take place? What is happening in yeah. uh, in the the story that God is telling? So as we know, at this part of the story, um, both kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, are in captivity. So all of mm-hmm. God's people, basically, except yes. for a remnant that was left behind, the the most um, unimportant people, basically, yes. are left. Yeah, uh, most of God's people are now in captivity, including Ezekiel. So he is writing from captivity. Um, probably taken in about 598 to 597, that wave of, of captivity. Um, and he is giving this prophetic call mm-hmm. um, in 593 when he was about 30 years old. Um, the age, interestingly, where he should have begun, begun his duties as a priest back yes. in Jerusalem. So I don't think that's by coincidence. No. Uh, instead of acting as priest in Jerusalem as an exile, he is going to be getting this prophetic ministry of hope, of pointing us back to... Um, a, a time when God is going to re- reconcile his people, redeem his people. And so he begins this 22-year or so long prophetic ministry, um, which are which comes in some of the darkest days for Israel mm-hmm. uh, that we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. And so um, some of the things that we need to know about Ezekiel, like he was a very interesting prophet in that um, during, uh, during a period of his, minis- uh, of his ministry, he um, he was more the the physical. Um, he, a lot of his prophecies uh, really were were um, physical uh, physical visual explanations of what was going to happen. So he was he was the prophet who was commanded by God to lay down naked 
um, in the middle of the road um, on his side for for multiple days um, and um, to cook food over um, over feces and he backs and originally he was told um, do it over his own and he was like wait 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 can I do it over animal feces instead? Is that okay? And, he's, and God said, sure, you can do that. But uh, <laughs> um, so again, there's grace. <laughs> there exactly. Too. So, um, and then of course, um, we're, um, Ezekiel is probably best known for the what in the world is that many-eyed, many-winged, many-wheeled thing yes. that he sees. Flying um, saucers. Oh, absolutely. I was gonna, I was gonna say. Um, it's it's obviously aliens. obviously obviously aliens. So, um, but <laughs> um, so hold on. Let me get my aluminum foil hat on. Okay. 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 So that's good. Thank you for that. Um, now, as we're looking at this, understanding that this chapter has no aliens, it has no <laughs> um, has nothing like that happening in it. What should we be? What should we understand about this passage? What questions should we be? asking as we're trying to understand. Well, yeah, let's start with the two most obvious pressing yeah. questions. Yeah. Or the, the most obvious pressing question. What do these two visions mean? Because there yes. are actually two visions in this chapter. Yes. The, the main one is the Valley of Dry Bones that, that become are restored back to an army. Yes. But then the second one, uh, 15 through 28, the second half of the chapter, is two sticks being put together. Yeah. And of course, both of these visions speak to the restoration of Israel that, that even though it seemed as if Israel w- was dead, mm-hmm that God is going to bring life back to them. They were going to return from captivity. And the two sticks symbolize the reunification of Israel. Now, yeah. again, this is what it said in the text here, basically. Yes. So we don't. it's not hard to piece that together, but we still have to remember that. Yeah. That's the yeah. big question. What's the big idea yeah. out of this chapter? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, another question that we should be asking is, is why would God give a vision for this instead of just doing it? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, that generally speaks to our impatience yes. and our distaste for um, discipline. Mm-hmm. So we tend to look at any time that God does something punitive uh, toward his people as God's being mean to, to humanity. Um, we, we often import a view of the Greek and Roman pantheon um, that were very wicked characters. Um, instead of actually um, recognizing the recognizing there that those are gods made in our image, where what God is doing whenever He disciplines His people, it's for our good, and and because it's because it's for our good, sometimes that means that it needs to take time, and yeah. so. Um, had had Israel taken had a quick captivity? Had they been in and out? Like some of the false teachers who were among them were trying to tell them. Yep. And Jeremiah in his in his book, um, and this is actually the whole point of Jeremiah twenty nine, um, is it's not just so that God so that, so that you can be encouraged and know that God has plans and purposes for you, um, because he was saying people are telling you you're going to be in and out. You're here for 70 years. You're not going away. You, some of you are going to die here, is what God was telling them. And so, had, but had it been that in and out, people, it may not have sunk in. They would have, they could well have returned to the land and, um, and had been, had either continued on in their idolatry or they um, could do what they ultimately did do, 
which is they replaced their idolatry with another form of idolatry, which was legalism and yeah. moralism, which was, so they worshiped their own self-righteousness instead of worshiping false gods. Yeah. Um, they were overt false gods. Um, they worshiped themselves as gods w under the pretense of worshiping the God of yeah. Israel. Yeah. So that is one of those things that we need to remember and recognize here. Yeah. But there's something else. Yeah, and there? I think in light of that, I think we need to consider how these visions either were received or were intended to be received by God's people. Mm -hmm. um, I, we can't look past this. They are in this, this, this period of despair, um, hopelessness, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, these are hard days for them, as, as we've talked about. And these are two amazing messages of hope. Yeah. And it may have lifted their spirits. That was their intention. Mm -hmm. And that's important because I think we need to remember this, uh, especially those of us who tend to really enjoy doctrine. Yes. That sometimes we get so heady, we forget that people are holistic beings that they have feelings as well and people have feelings yes they do i've heard about that i've read okay. about it once or All twice right. in a book cool i have i have feeling i feel hungry at times i feel mm -hmm. tired at times i also feel angry ah, there you go there's our feelings <laughs> but i you know i think we need to remember there are times where it's not sufficient to throw just theological truth at somebody as yeah. important as that is that we got to remember people's emotions matter and here I, I just really appreciate how god cares enough about his people to realize i'm going to give them not to realize, but to, to give them hope. Yes. And and to lift their spirits because that matters. Yes. It's kind and compassionate act of his to give these. He did not have to give these visions. No. He could have just waited and then 70 years later say, all right, I'm going right. to, you know. He so, also could have just said, you're here and you're done. Exactly. So to me, this is a reminder, not only see the goodness of God, but it's a reminder to me, how often do we have opportunities to bring hope to other believers? Yeah. And you know, just spend some time on the Twitters. We're not good at this today, it seems. No. We're good at the opposite. I think we need to be a people who seek out to be a source of providing joy and hope to other believers. Yeah. Uh, much more than we tend to do today. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that is, and that, that really is an important, an important thing, right? Like we, um, we live in, we do live in a time where I think realistically people are, are more hopeless than they realize. There's a, uh, there's actually a phrase that describes more the sense of humor of um, the post, like the Gen Z, post Gen Z generation um, that is, is referred to as joyful nihilism. <laughs> and so it's basically, it, it's, um, it's the most depressing thing that you can imagine. And I say that as someone who like generally lives in fashionably sad world. Um, that's, that's kind of my jam. Um, cause I grew up in the nineties and ever, and you know, I'm still, and I'm technically Gen X. So the disaffected youths and all, um, of my generation where everyone is sad and miserable. And the music that I like is, is everyone loves Jesus. We love Jesus and we're so sad. Um, so growing up in the eighties, I've got more of that joy and kind of, well, yeah. <laughs> is that what that is? It is. All right. So, um, I'm full of joy. You're full of, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
Flag on the play. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, but you know, the, the interesting thing, Aaron, is that, well, I think our, I, I agree with you. Our culture seems to be one of more despair and so yeah, forth. Yeah. I think we have more reason to have optimism in the church today. Yeah. I mean, you think about what we see God doing. You think about the technology we have. Mm-hmm. You think about the, the opportunities we have. I was just talking with somebody the other night about. I remember growing up hearing the story of Brother Andrew, God Smuggler. Do you know yeah, yeah. that story? Yep. Um, sneaking Bibles into the former Eastern Bloc countries in a Volkswagen. So he'd have to sneak mm-hmm. physical Bibles to get God's Word into the hands of, of people behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah. And you think about today, that is no longer necessary because we all have the Bible right here on phones. Mm-hmm. You can have it on a, on a microchip. You think about... Even that technology that we can get the Bible into the hands of people around the world so much more easily, man, you think that's an optimistic, hopeful. It it really is, and and that is, and that's something that we shouldn't take for granted. No. We have we have more opportunities to to um, give people the good news of the gospel exactly. than ever before. And, and honestly, and, even the things in our culture that that are so wonky, such yeah. as uh, you know rejecting of personhood, rejecting of, of two genders, for right. example. Yeah, that's discouraging, but it also gives us an opportunity to have meaningful discussions about the gospel. It does, absolutely, absolutely. And so um, so these are things that we need to think about. And I mean, when we think about our, our culture as um, being essentially joyless um, or being hopeless, um, I mean, that like that, is one of those things that we do need to recognize because um, it means that ultimately we have opportunities. We yeah. have, we can we can point people to the thing to the one who will ultimately satisfy us. Um, now let's now let's um, move forward and go back and and answer this question. How does this passage? How does Ezekiel thirty seven? Point us to Jesus. Well, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of both these visions. Yes. Who is the one who gives life to the dead? Is Jesus through his physical life, resurrection, uh, his death and resurrection? Yeah. Through that, he provides true life to all who believe. Yes. And then through Jesus, the church, he brings unity to all people who believe. Yes. So Jesus is, is the ultimate fulfillment of both of these visions. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... and. We need to not, when you read it, it, it's, it may look kind of obvious, but you need to stop and you need to linger on that. And you just need to, to let that sink in deeply. Because if Jesus is the one who gives life, if he is the one who's the ultimate fulfill, f- fulfillment of this, that he makes spiritually dead people alive, um, that is an incredible gift from God. Um, that people who don't deserve it, who who um, who often don't think that they need it, yeah, <laughs> get it. That's amazing, um, and that through and it should also help us to recognize that through Jesus, um, if we're if we're one people, then we have more in common with one another than we than we have differences, and so oh, yeah. we need to keep those. We need to keep what's essential in front of us and pay attention to that because if we're one we need to be one which means and when the world sees us as one it's in, it shows them more of what yeah. they are missing exactly 
Um, now, let's think about this book from the perspective of an adult group leader or um, a student ministry uh, leader, uh, someone working in kids ministry, or um, just someone who would be working through this passage in some kind of one-on-one -on -one discipleship relationship. What kind of guidance can we offer them um, that we haven't already in working through this passage? Yeah, I think one additional thought is something I'm weak on myself mm -hmm. is remembering the value of word pictures. Yes. Of illustrations, proper illustrations, proper word pictures. We always have to be careful about using ones that are defective, but right. So no Trinity ones. Yeah, like yeah, no Trinity about. ones that we talked about on a different episode of the yeah. podcast. Uh, but this one, you think about these the two truths that are expressed here. Yeah, let's just simplify it. Yes, truth one, God is going to restore His people. Yes, truth two, He's going to unify His people. Yes, that's important. But if if that's all He said, if Ezekiel just said, "Hey guys, I got two truths for you," and it's these two, it's these two truths, would it stick to us as deeply as this Valley of Dry Bones? Right, and probably not. Probably not. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, uses these word pictures to cement these beautiful truths into our minds and hearts more deeply. So there's something for us as leaders, as teachers, as disciples, to we, we can't fail to understand and remember the power of illustrating word pictures. And again, I'm weak on this myself. Sure. I'm a little bit more matter of fact. Let me just tell you what needs to matter. Uh, but man, when we think about how can we convey the beauty of the gospel in beautiful ways, mm -hmm. that just it, it, we're increasing the chances of it sticking Absolutely. in our people. Absolutely. Um, another way to say that is because the gospel is beautiful, we should we should try to we yes should, we should show its beauty yes. in how we communicate. Yeah, and this we see this in the ministry of Jesus as well yeah. through the parables. Yeah. He, he didn't have to use parables, but he did. And those are some of the most memorable. I mean, the, the, the good Samaritan. Right. The, they, the, they stick with yeah, you. Yeah, the good even, Samaritan, the prodigal son. These yeah. stories stick. Yeah, even when they've been culturally, culturally appropriated yeah. and stripped of their actual meaning. People, people know what you're yeah. talking about when you use some of these terms. Um, and so that's something that's important is... is, is is look for those connection points as well. Yeah. Um, something else that um, uh, there's a couple of other things that we need to do. One is is that we do need to remind them that uh, those that we are that we are serving that we're discipling that God is still at work doing this. He's mm. still unifying His people. He's still making uh, restoring. Uh, the rela the relationship between sinners and himself and bringing more people into his family every day until Jesus comes back more and more people from every from every people group um, are invited into this kingdom and get to be a part of it and at one point I was a bunch of dry bones yeah laying in the wilderness yeah spiritually yes yeah. and and that's another thing right is is that we need to recognize this was us yeah this was us. God did this for us. And whether we grew up in the church like you did, or you were had zero interest in it or relationship with it like I did, God does the same thing for all of us. Yeah. Um, the, the last thing that I think we need to recognize is, is that um, it is really God's grace and mercy, even in his acts of discipline. Hmm. So again, God didn't have to provide these visions of hope. But he did because he loves his people. He loves his children. And he wants their good and he wants them to know that he wants their good. Um, and 
that is and, and that is something that we need to communicate if we're having hard conversations that grace and mercy is available to to those that we're discipling when they are stumbling and sinning when we are stumbling and sinning that God has grace for us and all we need to do is is ask and receive yeah good word so, yeah so um, I think that is a good place for us to wrap up this Definitely. conversation all right so uh, thanks for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, uh, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.